You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Day 24 of the Men's Cricket World Cup was Super Saturday. Two games packed full of drama going right to the death. First up, we so very nearly had our second major shock of the World Cup in as many days. Afghanistan pushing India right to the brink in a nerve shredder at Southampton. The tournament's rank outsiders gave Virat Kohli's side an almighty scare, restricting India to 224 for 8 before starting solidly in reply, at one stage reaching 106 for 2. Even after a Jasprit Bumrah double swung the game in India's favour, the Afghans refused to go quietly. A nice cool half-century from Mohammed Nabi threatening to take his side to what would have ranked as surely the biggest shock in World Cup history. Instead, a hat-trick at the death from Mohammed Shami sealed an 11-run win for India, who remain unbeaten in the tournament, but have shown their first signs of weakness. And then to Old Trafford, and more drama. The Wendy's, seemingly all but beaten after a middle-order collapse in their match against New Zealand, almost achieved the unthinkable. Carlos Brathwaite coming within a few inches of pulling off one of the all-time great World Cup heists. Having just brought up his first ODI 100, Brathwaite attempted a six that would have won his side the game, only for Trent Bolt to claim the catch on the boundary and a five-run win for the Kiwis. Welcome to the Wisden Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon. We have two guests for you on today's show. Later, I'll be speaking to Kiwi journalist Andrew Alderson about New Zealand's nail-biting win over the Windies. But first, I caught up with Indian reporter Chetan Narula to make some sense of that extraordinary match between India and Afghanistan. Chetan, what, what a game that was. For a moment there, it looked like Afghanistan were going to outdo Sri Lanka and pull off one of the, the all-time great World Cup shocks. Um, when Afghanistan were 106 for two there, did you feel like the game was starting to slip away from India? Well, Joe, it was an unbelievable game. Probably the best game of the tournament so far. And before that, usually when I come on the podcast, I'm supposed to say a moment where, you know, it stood out really. But I think the whole game was full of such moments, especially ending with that hat-trick. Uh, you know, suitable end to a fantastic game. 106 for two, yes, I thought Afghanistan were very well in control of the chase. Perhaps they lacked in batting depth, but, you know, they were playing the Indian spinners so well. And India... Did it with pace in the end, but you know that key was playing the spinners so well. So I, yes, 106 for two, I thought 
but just 222 chase they were they were in the game yes they were and they i thought they went about the chase very very sensibly given they've been a bit hot-headed with their stroke play early in the tournament they showed a bit of form against england with the bat having conceded so many with the ball and that seemed to give them a bit of confidence ahead of their reply today. And I thought they did it sensibly. They took it very deep and they ended up only two two blows away from an extraordinary victory. Absolutely. I think uh, this has been a, a case with Afghanistan's side throughout this tournament that they wanted to improve as a batting unit. They wanted to evolve as a batting unit. And I think um, they have certainly done that. And it started in Manchester, I think, because they, they, they were facing a very improbable target there 398 they would never get 398 but they decided okay we, we didn't perhaps bowl as well we could but we should show that we can bat as well and 50 overs they they came out in manchester trying to play out those 50 overs today also i think they knew at the back of their mind that yes maybe an upset is possible but they didn't want to get ahead of themselves they, mm. they wanted to bat out those 50 overs they wanted to see it's like Every team breaking down a chase. They wanted to see where they're going, where they're going, where they're going. It, it was almost like a fourth innings of a test match, really. India yeah. were defending a small total. Afghanistan, they were, they were just calculating at what stage, where they were, where they needed to be. And it was a game of attrition. But I think they went about it very intelligently. And like I said, the fact that they played the spinners so well, I think helped them get far in the innings. If they had given away too many wickets to the spinners, it would have ended early for Afghanistan. Yeah, India's spinners perhaps didn't have the impact we thought they might, given how um, impactful Afghanistan's own spinners were. But I thought India's seamers were, were excellent today. I mean, we know all about Jasprit Bumrah, of course, but Mohammed Shami really stood out for me today. Not part of India's first choice 11 in this tournament so far. In for the injured Bhuvneshwar Kumar. Uh, he bowled a brilliant first spell, I thought. Really great pace, great carry. Unlucky not to pick up more than one wicket. And then he comes back, no, no nerves at the death. Picks up that hat-trick. India's second in World Cups, I think. And is there now a case to say that with Shami rather than Bhuvneshwar, have India actually improved their attack? Well, I'll first come to the to, to the bowling attack, the spinners. I thought uh, Kuldeep Yadav was uh, bowling a little quicker. Uh, he definitely bowled quicker than the Afghanistan spinners. Um, five of them, um, four of them, and uh, they picked up five wickets, bowled 34 overs. So Afghanistan spinners really used the surface well. They really used the conditions well. They knew the ball was gripping. And if, you, if you're bowling slowly, slower, then, then it'll have that much more grip. Kuldeep, I thought, was quicker through the air, quicker through, you know, off the surface. Chehel, compared to Kuldeep, is a naturally slower bowler. So he found more grip, more success uh, in terms of wickets, at least. And uh, mm. I think one of the standouts for me was uh, in the pre-match conference when uh, Gulbadin Naib said that, you know, we play these spinners, the Afghanistan spinners, in the nets all the time. Uh, so I think that perhaps helps them play spin better uh, maybe one of my theories yeah um, but they did play the spinners really well and of course the difference was the pacers and it really stood out that India only used five bowlers they usually they use Kedar Jadav especially if Hardik Pandya goes for runs early in a spell but and, and that happened today Hardik Pandya went for runs in his first two overs but they but they persisted with him and he I thought really came back bowled with control surprised the batsman with bounce and it helped that uh, the Indian Pacers bowled around in Jaspreet Bumrah, yes, had that impact. But Pandya, I thought, really bowled well, really showed his improvement as a bowler. And Shami, of course, delivering the death blow. Are they a better side with Shami in the side than Bhuvneshwar Kumar? I am not sure because Bhuvneshwar mm. Kumar provides that element of batting, which sure. perhaps was missing today. He will help you add those 20 extra runs. And 
these conditions today in Southampton were very different. Earlier in the tournament, maybe we'll see similar conditions as we go ahead and maybe Shami will be more handy. But before this, we've seen nippy conditions and Bhuvneshwar Kumar is always a handful with his control, you know. Sure. Um, again, it's, it's up for a toss, really. Well, is it better with Kumar or is it better with Shami? It's just the fact that these two are there and they're complementing Bumrah, which is good to see for India. And it's great to have those options, of course. You touch on, on the batting there, being slightly weakened by um, Shami coming in for Bhuvneshwar. We need to talk about MS Dhoni. Uh, uh, comments like these tend not to go down too well in Indian cricketing circles. I'm aware I'm putting my head above the parapet slightly here, but the way I saw it today, uh, Dhoni almost lost India that game. That was my interpretation of it. What, 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 what do you make of that? Uh, I'm not going to say he lost India the game, but uh, let's be honest, it was not just him who batted like that. Apart from Virat Kohli, nobody could actually bat fluently on that surface, even the Afghanistan batsman, but there's a different quality in the Indian batting lineup, but nobody in the Indian bat. Remember, Rohit Sharma is in form, and he was the first one to play down the wrong line to sure. a spinner early, early on to Mujibur Rahman. Rahul played an unnecessary shot, but again, his his innings was not fluent either. Sure. And again, then we saw Jadav and Pandya, they Shankar, they were not fluent. The only man fluent was Virat Kohli, best batsman in the world. He always bats on a different pitch. That's that's we the case. That. India's middle order struggled in in general, but. Dhoni, 28 from 52 yes. balls, two boundaries, yes. no urgency between the wickets. And and the thing that really struck me was you've got Hardik yeah. Pandya, who doesn't get a bat until the 45, 45th over. And yeah. it just seemed it seemed a very... Dhoni plays the odd funny innings, and often yes. it becomes clear what he's trying to do, and he pulls it off. Today, I couldn't quite get my head around what, what he was trying. I'll be honest here, uh, Joe. The thing is, with, with MS Dhoni, let us accept that he is not the same batsman he was two years ago or maybe yeah. five years ago. Today, MS Dhoni is still a very intelligent batsman, but there is an obvious problem against spinners. There is no doubt about that. He can still hit the paces out of the park anytime, but there is a proper problem against spin that he has today, the batsman he is today. Now, the problem for me is not whether he's a reduced batsman. No, that's not the problem. He's very, very important to the team. There is no doubt about it. The problem is that nobody in the team management, not Pony himself, not Virat Kohli, not Ravi Shastri, not selectors, nobody is ready to accept the fact that he's not the batsman he was. Mm. Uh, I think that's the crux of the problem. I cannot accept. I- I'm not going to say I'm going to blame him that you know he almost lost the game, but I'm not ready to accept the fact that Kedar Jadav did not bat ahead of MS Dhoni. He's a proper batsman. Kedar Jadav is a proper batsman. He didn't even bowl today. So he's a proper batsman. Why is he coming ahead of MS Dhoni, who is actually playing as a finisher, as, as somebody who hits out? Yes, he needs time. I think India believed that with MS Dhoni spending a lot of time at the crease, he'll probably change the acceleration, uh, acceleration point or in terms of you know getting more runs in the death overs. That did not happen. And that, that's partly because they misread the pitch. They misread how Afghanistan spinners would bowl. But also, and this is very important, nobody is willing to accept that MS Dhoni struggles against spin, the batsman that he is today. That's very, it's very interesting you put it that way because that is my impression that there's almost this kind of awe around Dhoni because of all the incredible things he's done in his career, which yes. which makes it very hard to criticise him. And I thought, you even find this on the on the Sky commentary. I mean, Sam and Jay yeah. Mandraker, so Dhoni blocked out four balls from Mujib in the 43rd or 44th over I think it was and Sanjay Mandraka said that it showed the confidence of the man as opposed to suggesting that he might want to get get a move on and there does seem to be this thing (laughs) in Indian cricket that 
you can't criticize Dhoni because it's just it's just kind of not not acceptable. It's almost kind of it's just not not the way. And I wonder if India are going to tie themselves knots in this tournament by by not acknowledging the things that you've just you just pulled, uh, brought up. I think it's not just going to be just Dhoni if it really comes to it at the end of the tournament or at the business end of the tournament. I think the problem runs deeper. Uh, there's, there's just one this this Indian team is on a juggernaut right now is a juggernaut they're just on a roll they're just winning today was a bad day and they still won they almost lost but they still won and that's what champion sides do but there is a problem with this Indian team there's only one problem with this Indian team and that is the middle order Vijay Shankar today became the 12th batsman in the last 24 months to bat at number 4 yeah, that sums it up doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one batsman for every 2 months really and you know that really surprises me that some you know a, a huge uh, a huge cricket structure like like team india or indian cricket they could not sort out a number four problem in two years it's not about dhoni it's not about where pandya bats it's not about jadav it's not about who bats at number four now the issue for me is they are so dependent on their top order and with shikhar dhawan gone Shikhar Dhawan, Rohit Sharma, I have mentioned this earlier. Shikhar Dhawan, Rohit Sharma, Virat Kohli score 55% of India's ODI runs. Mm. But now there's a problem. KL Rahul does not back, bat like Dhawan. He does not back like Rohit. If the top order doesn't go deep, the middle order invariably struggles. And the day the middle order struggles, India struggles. That's thumb rule with this Indian team. So it's not going to be because of Dhoni alone. It's going to be because of that number four problem. If India do not win this World Cup, it is going to be because of that number four problem. We've got the uh, interesting addition of Rishabh Pant to the squad now, yes. uh, following Dawan's um, withdrawal with injury. It looked to me like Rahul was starting to find his way at number four, which obviously then got thrown out the window when Dawan went down. Is there an yes. argu- is there an argument to now put Rahul back to number four and give Pant a go at the top of the order and try and get that acceleration at the start? You know, Joe, I've seen so much experimentation with this Indian team. I won't be surprised right. if this happens, but I will also bang my head on the nearest wall available. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because that is unbelievable. I mean, if you really want to open with Rishabh Pant, then why not today? And then what is Vijay Shankar even doing in the side? Yeah. Um, uh, to be very honest, uh, I've seen such suggestions on Twitter. I think it's very implausible. I think they will give Vijay Shankar another outing and see what he's doing. But then if they feel that they need more firepower, if, if something, that's the good thing. If they have another game before the England game, and I think for this Indian team right now, the only game that really matters is that England game. Yeah. They want to win that game. Right to to make an impression to to send out a message that England is not the best team in the, in in this tournament. They are. I think the game against West Indies is very crucial. I think they will they will try to see what Vijay Shankar can still do. But if the middle order becomes unstuck again, they will look to to introduce Rishabh Pant in the middle order, get it going, get it running again, uh, get that acceleration early. Yeah, I think that's that's something very important. But no, I. Please no, I no 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 no. Kale Rahul at open. Let him open. Let him sure. be. Rishabh Pant at number four, or maybe in the middle order. He doesn't really have to bat at four. Four. I don't. I personally, I think he lacks the maturity to bat at four. But uh, he's he's an explosive batsman. And he could be handy. But no, no, not 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 openings. No. Well, it'd be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, yeah, we'll certainly come back to plenty more India chat over the course of the tournament, no doubt. But I did want to give the final word to Afghanistan today. We were both at Old Trafford together on, on Tuesday for England-Afghanistan. Uh, Afghanistan conceded all but 400. Rashid Khan gets hit for 100 himself. 
it was pretty dark stuff for Afghanistan. They pulled it back a little bit with the bat, but today in the field and with the ball, they were a side transformed, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. I thought, uh, you know, Afghanistan to me, Afghanistan cricket to me is about, you know, fight, playing with, you know, wholeheartedly giving their everything. That's how they've gotten this far, Joe. I mean, yeah. these, are, these are a bunch of refugees who learned cricket in refugee camps and now they're playing international cricket. They're not going to win a World Cup ever in their lives. Afghanistan cricket, maybe 20 years from now, they might win a World Cup, but these guys are not. Uh, they will be remembered for sowing the seed of, you know, fighting cricket, winning hearts. And I thought, because of all the off-field issues, they don't have a media manager, they don't have proper management, they, they, there are voices of discontent against their captain. Captaincy was changed before the tournament, and there was this issue at a restaurant in Manchester, I thought, you know, the off-field issues were starting to grow on them a lot. Yeah. And the, the, the Afghanistan team that I saw in Manchester was not really the Afghanistan team that I know. The fight was not there on the field. The fight had gone out of them. And I think they regrouped. They, they realized that, you know, all the off-field things can happen later. And they, they wanted to, to play cricket like they do. You know, with wholeheartedly, full heart, you know, yeah. and that's what they did today. And when they did that, I thought um, they really caught India by the, you know, by surprise. That would have been embarrassing for India, really, to be very honest. They wouldn't. You could see Kohli was starting to tick, wasn't he? You could see. I mean, he's animated at, at the best of times, but he was particularly <laughs> were, animated yes. today. There were a couple of LBW appeals that were really desperate, and they lost their review early. But yeah. well, India just saved the day. But yes, full marks to Afghanistan. I've just been on a cab ride with an Afghan cab driver and he was so happy. He knew his team wasn't uh, going to win the World Cup or, you know, probably not struggle to win even a single game. But he was so happy, so confident and it gave him hope that Afghanistan can beat Bangladesh at Southampton on Monday and that is something you want to see in Afghanistan cricket. That's absolutely brilliant place to leave it, I think, Chetan. Thanks so much for joining us and I've had a busy day Um, and we'll hopefully hear from you again later in the tournament. No worries. Cheers, Joe. That's one classic covered, now let's move on to the next. After losing both openers for Golden Ducks, Kane Williamson's second consecutive century guided New Zealand to 291 for eight, a total that looked well within reach as Chris Gale and Shimron Hetmeyer went into overdrive, repeatedly peppering the boundary. The match was turned on its head though when the Windies lost five wickets for 22 runs, only for Carlos Brathwaite to rekindle memories of his six-hitting spree against Ben Stokes and leave his side needing six from seven balls. On this occasion though, it was heartbreak for Brathwaite, Bolt's calm catch on the boundary, defeating the Windies at the last. Here's what Andrew Alderson, reporter for the New Zealand Herald, had to say about the Black Caps' rollercoaster encounter with West Indies. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for joining us at this late hour. I know you've got deadlines to meet. Uh, what an incredible game, though. With, with the West Indies 164 for seven, still needing, what, about 130 to win. Were you preparing for an early finish there? Yes, uh, Joe, I think if I, if I had to take a, a lie detector test, I was. <laughs> I think, uh, especially, at, to be honest, at 2.45 for nine, after 45 overs, I really didn't give them an opportunity. I know Carlos Brathwaite's at the wicket, I'm thinking, you know, World T20 and, and all those other factors that we know he's been able to produce in the past. And he, he scored an innings that was, uh, what, his highest previous in a one day was 50 runs. Mm. And to go on and make a century in those circumstances, I mean, he was outstanding. And I just think that the way... 
that match unfolded and how he scored those final, I think, what, 41 runs, I think, with Shane Thomas at the other end without scoring uh, was a remarkable piece uh, of batting and being able to work the strike, etc. Uh, and then just to have a match that comes down to that uh, penultimate over, effectively. And, and Jimmy Neesham, who hasn't had a great deal of experience at the death in those sorts of circumstances, uh, I thought put together an outstanding uh, six balls, really, and was able to just negotiate that perfectly. And, of course, really, the, the, the match decided uh, effectively by, what, one or two metres, really, with yeah. Trent Bolt uh, on the long on boundary. could have gone either way just uh, with uh, the strike on the bat. Exactly. And, and on Brathwaite, he's a, he's a funny kind of player because, as you say, he's got no record to speak of, really, in, in ODI cricket. But he seems to... He's got clearly got immense talent and has, has these kind of incredible moments within him. That was the kind of, would you say that's the innings of the tournament so far? But possibly up there with Williamson's knock against South Africa and albeit very different circumstances. Absolutely. It would have to be right up there. He'd be on the podium at least, I suspect, uh, given that uh, I think Williamson, the fact that Williamson was able to negotiate at home and actually negotiate the victory against South Africa. And I tell you what, his, uh, his 148, his highest score in one-day internationals of 154 balls today wasn't too bad an effort either, sure. uh, given that the circumstances, I think, of uh, having lost two wickets, both openers going to to uh, first ball ducks in the first over of the game and to come in in those circumstances and uh, negotiate uh, the way. I mean, Ross Taylor, obviously, superb support as a lieutenant to Williamson's, uh, I guess, admiral-like innings and mm. that he was able to lead so much from the front, get to that. They put on 160 for the third wicket, uh, but Williamson just largely flawless and, and unflappable in the circumstances, which I think... Yeah, the team is playing to some degree in his image, uh, and that's what he's trying to project, that calmness and composure into the side. And I think we're seeing that with these these close results, uh, and now three of them that have effectively been will come down to the last uh, throws in a, in a match, and, they, and they've won all three, albeit they've got uh, five wins in the tournament. So I think it's a, it's a reflection of him, really, in, in how they're playing. They've certainly been the side to watch so far, that's without doubt. Um, as you say, they've got five wins, also got that point for that rained-off game against India. Top of the table, basically assured of a semi-final spot now. Uh, things are going pretty well. They are, Joe, and I think that... Um, it's probably a reflection of the, the, the way they go about things. You know, we watch them in training. We watch them uh, preparing for each game. I think there's an element of routine there uh, that shouldn't be lost and that they, they're, I suppose, um, thorough in how they prepare yeah. uh, for these games. And I think that's really come through and, and therefore they give themselves every chance of maximising their abilities. And I just think that the team is... Uh, it wouldn't want to be too based on, on what Williamson has done so far. I think there's probably areas to improve. I mean, we could see more runs uh, from the openers, obviously able to get home with a 10-wicket victory against Sri Lanka to start the tournament, uh, but probably requiring a few more now. Uh, Tom Latham probably lacking in runs uh, yeah. a bit too in the number five spot, albeit a couple of times he's been in difficult uh, circumstances, either here or there, coming in late in the innings. Uh, but the bowling has been generally pretty tight. I mean, today we saw Matt Henry go for 25 and that 48th over to give the West Indies every opportunity of securing the victory. Uh, but generally, he's been pretty good at uh, you know, opening up. Uh, Trent Bolt getting in the wickets today with four. And you know, Jimmy Nishan's obviously had some, some brilliant bowling, particularly against with that five for three against uh, Afghanistan. Colin de Gronholm with, a, with an all-round performance in the last match against South Africa with both ball and bat. So there's, there's, there's elements in the New Zealand team that are really uh, starting to shine in this tournament situation. And I think they do work well together uh, as a team. And Trent Bolt, 4 for 30 today. And of course, that vital catch right on the boundary. My impression is he hasn't been absolutely a, a kind of peak Bolt so far in this tournament. But there were signs today that he was really in his, in his best rhythm. I 
think that's right, Joe. I think he's working into it. Uh, he had, well, I think, what, three wickets, uh, I think, in the tournament till today, perhaps. Um, and just uh, today he was able to get, I think he's been a bit unlucky at times, though. He's yeah. bowled tightly, uh, but just hasn't picked up those wickets. But then 4 for 30 today is probably the bolt that we're more used to seeing and leading the attack, the spearhead. And, uh, but he needs that support as well. And generally, I think so far in the tournament, uh, he's had that. Uh, and in some unlikely circumstances as well, with bowlers who have come through and, and New Zealand have got what they've wanted uh, out of the likes of Nisham and de Gronholm in particular uh, as, uh, as support bowlers. And, and I think, too, a shining light in the New Zealand attack has been Lockie Ferguson. Yeah. He's added that, uh, that factor of pace that a lot of the other bowlers don't have. And he's, he's produced some rockets over time. I'm thinking of the, the ball that yorked uh, Faf Duplessis in particular. Yeah. And there's been others along the way. And, and even today, getting uh, two crucial breakthroughs uh, when they needed it in the West Indies middle order. Yeah, three more wickets for him today. He's now one behind Joffre Archer and Mitchell Stark at the top of the wicket-taking charts. Um, it struck me on the commentary, I don't know if you're listening as you're watching the game today at the ground, but Ian Smith, former New Zealand wicket-keeper, obviously now one of the best commentators around. Not a jingoistic commentator and the, the likes of some other commentators that I won't mention might be, but he 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 said he's starting to believe that there's a, there's a kind of... And actually the, the phrase he used, he said, you, you often need to lose a final to win a final. And obviously New Zealand lost that last one with a lot of the same players. He thinks they're building towards something potentially quite special here. Oh, I think so. And I think a factor here that, that shouldn't be underestimated, Joe, is that they had a lot of... There's been a, a massive reconnaissance operation, in effect. I know that under Mike Hesson, the previous coach to Gary Stead, who's uh, taken over for the last few months, Hesson's, Hesson's been gone for about a year now. But part of that build-up to the World Cup was getting players uh, into the English county competition, be that in the T20, the one-dayers, uh, or the, even just the, the county championship, getting used to the conditions. Uh, and so many of that team have experience uh, and you, know, you think of particularly you know, Williamson and Taylor, players of that ilk over the years uh, have experienced that uh, in England on all the grounds and they'd have that covered off and I think that that perhaps is coming to fruition as well. They know the conditions that they're coming into yeah. uh, and I'm sure that that has benefited the side to, to some degree and I, I suppose the, the conditions are similar to home in, in some way um, you know, with the, the, the way that the pitches play, etc. Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that that will become you know, a major factor when we look back on this and see how far New Zealand progressed because uh, it's certainly done them no harm so far. And they start with the same team throughout. They've obviously got Henry Nichols and Tim Southey who are injured at the start of the tournament and then have been able to get in because they've been going so well do you think do you think Nichols might come in now with as you say I mean three of their top five haven't really fired yet yeah there's potential for him to come in for Munro although having said that I'm thinking that they they're playing Munro almost as a luxury in that we know when he does you know hit the ball he hits it so sweetly and so strongly and is able to build innings I mean certainly in the 2020 game where he's uh, you know one of the first picked players sure if they're able to capitalize on that utilise him uh, in that capacity and then bring Williamson in. See, I think they've always got the luxury that Williamson, he can come in in the second ball of a game, he can come in in the 11th over or whenever in a 50-over match and he's able to just uh, use those amazing abilities of his to be able to adjust to the conditions, etc. And I think, therefore, Munro can be played as a, as a luxury. He's a good fielder. You can get a few overs out of him as well, if need be. Uh, and I think that... Uh, that could be something that uh, yeah, is, is that they they still persevere with. Although Nichols, you know, he he's 
you know, potentially could come in as open as well. So they've got options there. They also haven't even uh, you know, used East Sodi as a mm. second spin option, potentially uh, coming in uh, for one of the seamers, um, or an all-rounder for that matter. Uh, they haven't deemed any pitch sort of dry enough or, or turning to any great extent. So they've kept with that same combination. And I think you know, that's what worked really well for them in 2015. I think there was maybe one or two changes, injury-enforced uh, in that tournament, and they're likely to, to follow suit. Well, things looking very rosy indeed for the Black Caps, and they may yet have a deciding factor in how far England go in this tournament as well, playing in that in that last game. Um, thank you ever so much for joining us today, Andrew. It'd be great to have you back on the show as, as the tournament goes on. Pleasure, Joe. Right, speak to you soon, Andrew. Cheers. Okay, that is all for today's show. More of the same tomorrow, please. Uh, Phil Walker will be alongside me and we'll be talking to Daniel Gallen about South Africa's match against Pakistan. We've spoken to Dan after four South African defeats so far in this tournament. Will his luck change tomorrow? As ever, thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please do subscribe. Podcast Network.